Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. You are about to listen to an original episode of Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of upcoming shows, which will be available for download every Monday, or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. After you finish the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe to it, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it sucks. Thank you for your support, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the final episode of 2013 of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. I decided to do something differently and switch gears and do a best of show for my final show. The good news about that is instead of one guest, you're going to get 24 guests. The bad news is I'm recording it from my iPhone sitting on a toilet in a bathroom in a hotel thousands of miles away from Los Angeles. So if you hear toilets flushing next door, my kids screaming, or somebody banging on the door saying the word housekeeping in a dialect not found in nature, you will know the reason for that. And I apologize in advance for that, but I really wanted to get this done for you guys because I think it would make the best choice for a show. And what I decided to do for this one is utilize one of my favorite segments of each episode, which is the last part of each um, series episode where the guest talks about their advice that they have for anybody, whether they be in the entertainment business or not. The words that these guys have and their journeys, I think, are instrumental in helping anyone get to the next level. And as I usually do in every podcast, I like to do a cold open that sort of relates to what uh, the episode's about. And so 
what I'd like to do for you guys is to share something that I think is very important for anybody who wants to try to sort of take their career and their personal life to the next level. And uh, so I would like to share that with you. Uh, it's an exercise that requires you to take a block of two hours minimum. Two hours minimum with no computer, no phone, no television, no email, no texting, nobody in the area where you're at, no phone calls, nothing. Total dedication for two straight hours. And this is what I need you to do. And I think you'll thank me for this afterwards. I hope you will. So what you're going to need for this exercise are three things. You're going to need a notebook, you're going to need a pen, and you're going to need your mind. And this is what I want you to imagine in your mind. Imagine there's two rooms, a smaller room that you're in that's totally soundproof from the other room with a two-way mirror where you can see what's happening in the other room. You can hear and see everything that's happening in the other room. But the people in that other room don't know you're there, they can't hear you, and they can't see you. And so this is what's going to be imagined here. It's very important. Imagine you have a group of people in this huge, huge room that are all a part of your life. So imagine every friend you ever had in your life is in that room. Every family member and relative that knows you, that's dealt with you, is in that room. And finally, every relationship you've ever had, every girlfriend or boyfriend you've ever had, in your lifetime of any significance is there. Any spouse that you've ever had in your life, whether it be one or more than one, are there. And this is the exercise. What you're going to do is you're going to visualize all these people. You can write all the names down of these people in your notebook, just so you know and visualize who they are when you're thinking of them, okay? And there's two parts to this. The first part is you're going to visualize that they're going to be asked the question, tell me, what's the thing about you or things or qualities or the totality of what you're all about that makes you a wonderful person, successful really great to be around, an amazing person that makes them want to be around you and want to hang with you, work with you, or be in a relationship with you, or count on you as a family member. And then you're going to look towards every name you have on that list and visualize and start writing down the things that they would say would be on their list of the qualities about you that make you special, undeniable, extraordinary. You know, and maybe after you look at everybody's name on that list and you start writing down the things that they would say, and maybe the top thing on the list is, is that honesty. Maybe the next thing on the list is that he's hardworking. He always works harder than you know, everybody else. 
maybe, maybe very few people say, hey, you know, he or she, they always screw the toothpaste cap back on the toothpaste. So it goes from the order from the, the, the most high-quality thing to maybe something that's almost comical that you do that, that they think is great and that they think is respectful and loving. And so when you get done with that list, now we're going to go on to part two of two, which is pretending we're going to ask all these people, what are the things about you that are not extraordinary, that are not undeniable? that are hurtful, damaging, self-destructive. And you're going to go down the list of all these people, and you're going to think about what they would say about you if you had the opportunity to hear them say those things without you being in the room. What are the things that are like ankle weights to yourself personally and professionally? And you'll go down the list of those people and you'll list these qualities that they'll say about yourself. And maybe people might say that you're not that honest. Maybe people would say that uh, you're not as hardworking as other people. And maybe they'd say that you do leave the toothpaste cap off the toothpaste or that you leave the seat up. Whatever it may be. And when you get done with that, now you have two very, very important tools in your life. Two lists. The first list is the blueprint to success personally and professionally. It's all of the things that you've done in your life that have blown people away, that have inspired them, that have made them want to be with you, that have helped them love you and made them want to rally around you and follow you have been the kinds of things that have taken you to the next level of your personal life and your career at every turn. And the second list is your blueprint of what not to do in your life, both personally and professionally. It's the master list of all the things that you've ever done in your life that have taken you down. The things that have left people wanting more, have had people lose confidence in you, have helped you get fired, have led you to lose relationships, have created problems within your family and friends, and have taken you and derailed you from your path of greatness in your profession. And with these tools, you have the greatest gifts now that you could ever have. On one hand, you have the blueprint for success. On the other hand, the guidelines for failure. And I guarantee you, if you look at those guidelines for failure and all those things that are negative on that second list, and you treat that like you're going to AA starting on January 1st and treat everything on that list as a type of alcohol that you cannot have or ingest in your system. And if you follow all the things on the first list that help you get to the best points in your life and continue to follow those and never exhibit one quality on that second list 
I can guarantee you that if you follow that starting January 1st, 2014 will be one of the greatest years of your life, both professionally and personally. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Here we go in three, two. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. Infections caused by jacuzzi water. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. Okay, here we go. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Now I'm on the air! People on Twitter have been asking for Barry Katz to come back a lot. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Here we go. You fucking firing me up, cats. Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Undeniable. Creating holy shit moments. I love this man. Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. All right. Welcome back. I'm very excited about this week's year-end special edition of Industry Standard, where in just a few moments, I'm going to present to you 24 of the most extraordinary people in this business letting you know what it takes to get to the next level and it doesn't matter if you're in the entertainment business or not uh, when I started to do this podcast I just wanted to do something that was inspirational that uh, talked to the people behind the scenes of the entertainment business who I believe to be the stars of the business who are the brilliant minds behind the scenes that pull all the triggers and help things get made and help create content that blows people away and inspires the world. And it doesn't matter if you're a comedian, a musician, a writer, a director, an executive, a singer, songwriter, or if you're a lawyer or an accountant or a real estate agent or an architect, or if you're starting minimum wage and your first job at McDonald's it doesn't make any difference what these people have to say will help take anyone's life and career to the next level alright so without further ado what you're about to hear is some of the most incredible pieces of wisdom 
from some of the greatest people in the business, starting off with my first guest ever. This guy is the president of the Viacom Entertainment Group, overseeing such huge networks as TV Land, Spike TV, and the Motherload Comedy Central. Here he is, Doug Herzog. You know, I think there's so many opportunities for, you know, young people to express themselves these days. And, you know, when we were coming through, you know, I had to go to Emerson College just to get my hands on a camera, right? There, were, You know, now everybody's got one in their back pocket. So I, I think you just you do it. There's no reason not to be doing it every day and to be creating and to be putting it out there and taking your chances. And if nobody pays attention, nobody pays attention. Stay at it. You haven't lost anything. But, you know, anybody, any young person who comes to my office these days and wants to be in this business, and if they're not out there doing something at this point, what do you I, – I look at them cry like, get out of my office. <laughs> like, there's no excuse for not to be writing, producing. You can do it all. It's, you can do it all on your iPhone. Like, figure it out. Go for it. If you really want it, go for it. It ain't coming to you. You got to go to it. Go get it, you know? So I, I think that also pertains to people who want to be on the executive side uh, or on, you know, or but on they, the business side. But, but they can't, you know. No, they have, to, they, have to, they, they have to make their way into, uh, into an organization. And that's, that's, that's you, you know, you still have to enter the institution. So How does somebody, how does a young person get the attention enter the institution? How, you, how, you, do, you, how, how do people get your attention? You, you got to be a little relentless. You have to be a little bit of a pain in the ass. You have to not be willing to go away. And you just got to keep at it. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully somebody will say yes and you'll get your chance, get your foot in the door, and then it's up to you. But people who kind of go out of their way, it's probably a bad thing to say on a podcast, but, you know, people who go out of their way to get to me, I always try and figure out a way to spend a little time with them because I feel like, you know, this person made a real effort and they found their way to me somehow by hook or by crook. And I respect that. My second guest on the show was a really interesting guy. He had a really fresh point of view, probably the youngest guy to ever do the podcast, and he's really dealing in a whole different world than a lot of people I've had on the show. So listen up to the president of production for Funny or Die, Mike Farah. No, no one is going to hand, hand this to you, so if you want to do it, you just have to do it. There's so much talk. There's so much wasted time. Like just go out and like, but and use that energy in a positive way, and, and and embrace things that you're afraid of doing. And just who cares? Like if you, it's never been easier to go out and and make things or or figure out what form of entertainment makes sense for you. Whether you're a writer, director, actor, producer, whatever. There's so many different ways to be involved in entertainment. And I think it's knowing who you are and what your strengths are and positioning those in a way that make the most of them and, and, and create an environment where you can differentiate yourself from other people. Um, whether that's you're great at, you know, writing monologue jokes or a screenplay or, you know, being a sound guy, it's all like, who are you? What are you excited about? What are you going to do great and differentiate yourself with? And then, start building up that foundation so that people trust you and, and, and hire you to continue to do it and how people get your, you know, someone's attention, whether it's, I don't, it's real easy to get my attention because I respond to every email that I get. <laughs> so, because I know what it's like, I can't stand people who don't respond to emails. It's just like, it bo I, 
no one everyone talks about how busy they are in hollywood you're not that busy <laughs> like let's just get serious and so i respond to every email so for me it's it, i mean i respond to every unsolicited email i mean i even have i mean on linkedin which i might have to get off because it's just too much um either i or uh, you know kate my assistant will respond just because i know what it's like to to not know anyone and it sucks like moving to LA and not know anyone like pretty much sucks. Um, so if, but getting in touch with me is easy getting in touch with, with other people, it's just doing these things. And like, if, if you put in enough time and you, you apply enough, that's like actually from Shawshank when he's talking about like time and pressure, that's what it comes down to. If you put in enough time and enough pressure, like eventually that hole, you know, out of Shawshank will will uh will will be there and and Shannon Worry erotic thrillers will be waiting for you on the other side. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, there's there is no secret formula. Like if you want to do it, just do it. If you don't want to do it, then then move on and figure out something else cuz no one's going to give it to you, but once you get into it and once once uh, you're you're it, it it doesn't even feel like work. So whether it takes two weeks or 20 years, if you really love it, you're not going to care. My third guest was a really, really special guy. He started his career at Harvard University where he created a little 10-minute short film called House Party, which he ended up obviously getting made and then directed Boomerang, was the president of BET, and recently the producer of Django Unchained. This next guest, Reggie Hudlin. I, I always feel that, I mean, I felt this way when I was running a network. I feel like there should be change jobs day. <laughs> so the people who work in ad sales should work in development. And the people who work in development should be, you know, an AD or a PA on a set. And the ADs and PAs should, you know, sell advertising. You know, like everyone should understand everyone else's job because if you only see it from one perspective, you're just – you're not going to be as, as effective as really understanding every part of the animal. So – I, I, I can't encourage people enough to really try to understand the whole of the business. And one of the great things about working at Viacom was that they built their reputation on being creative first. And we would have these big corporate retreats and they told this great story about South Park, which started as a video greeting card and they said, oh, let's make a pilot out of it. That was one of the things we talked to Doug Herzog about on the first podcast. The pilot tested terribly. And they looked at each other and said, oh, let's put it on. Like, if you have a golden gut, and I love testing. I love hearing what an audience likes and doesn't like. But at the end of the day, you have an exec. Anyone can like respond to people applauding or not applauding to graphs and charts. Do you have the golden gut that says this is the right thing to do and we're moving forward? That is the ultimate test of your job. Can you see past? Can you be more than reactive? Uh, for the young person out in the, in the hinterlands, the young artist, wherever that might be, that lonely feeling that it's just you. 
There are thousands of people who feel as lonely as you do for the same reasons that you do, right? And maybe you don't feel so lonely now because there's social media. So you can get on Facebook or Twitter or something and you can find like-minded people. But usually when you talk to folks, they feel very, very isolated. And understand that the top of the mountain you're trying to climb is full of people who had the same experiences you did. Here's the difference between those who make it to the top of the mountain and those who don't. One is talent, okay? Because just because you want something doesn't mean you're talented enough to do it, right? Talent is a real thing. Now, you can develop it. Like, you can have the raw talent to be a good baseball player. It doesn't mean you're going to be a great baseball player. You actually have to work hard at it. So whatever you like, read The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Realize that whatever it is you want to do, you got to put in at least 10,000 hours to even be a contender at being good at what you want to do. And then if you hone your talent, then hopefully that honing means you have the other thing you need, which is will, right? Will is the thing that gets you up in the morning and you know, you keep doing it. Will is a thing that says, I'm not going to the party. I'm going to sit alone in my crappy room and write. Will is the thing that says, I'm going to show up five minutes early because I really want this. And I want the person that I'm meeting with to know I want this. So even if I have to catch three buses and cross a highway divider, I'm going to take three buses and cross a highway divider to be there early. So those, I mean, and often, very often, will can be more important than talent. Now, I know we have all worked with enormously talented, self-destructive people. Yes, we have. Okay? And it's nothing more tragic than those people who cannot stop. They go, oh, I shot myself in the foot. Let me aim at the other one so I have a matching set of holes, (laughs) right? Meanwhile, the person... Maybe not as talented as that other person who shows up early, gets the job. True. Right? Why? Because they showed up. They knew their lines. You know, that's speaking metaphorically. Whatever it is. Like, you're, you're there and you're prepared. And you will get the opportunity that the more talented person who doesn't have their act together blows. So, yes, you can – let's say you fairly assess your talent. and You go, I'm I. I'm not at the bottom, I'm not at the top. I'll keep working on my talent, but my talent is what it is. However, what you can control is the willpower and the discipline and the professionalism that can still put you on top. So those are the things that you control. My fourth guest was probably the sage and soothsayer of the group, probably the elder statesman, the guy who created Saturday Morning live-action television was saved by the bell and five other television shows that went to syndication. Later on in his career, I worked with him where he created Last Comic Standing with Jay Moore, an amazing man, Peter Engel. I have several principles. One, you got to fall in love. you got to fall in love with whatever you do if you're in a creative business. I mean, accounting, I, I don't know about accountants falling in love. You got to fall in love and you got to have your heart broken. If you don't have that much pain, and you have passion, you have to have passion. Um, I tell, I, when I went around the country, I did the three P's uh, professionalism, passion, and perseverance. 
and you've got to fall in love. And my heart was broken on that first primetime show, Sirota's Court. Broken. I was devastated. Um, and, and, but if you don't have your heart broken, that means you don't have the passion. And so professionalism, I would say the three P's, professionalism. You've got to be professional. An actor has to know his lines. Uh, he has to be on time. He, you have to be courteous. You have to be in the scene. It's not a game. It's your job. Second, you have to have passion. My daughter had 19 jobs after she graduated from Skidmore with a degree in child psychology. She wanted to be a comedian. But you know her partner, Anna. And, and she's a dad. I can't do anything else. Lauren could do other things, but she couldn't do anything else. You have to have a passion. You have to have a passion. You have to lie on the floor of Brandon's Tartikoff's office. You have to go that extra mile. You have to say, you have to believe in what you're saying. Uh, and, 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 and you have to believe and you have to throw everything in it. And perseverance. You know, Winston Churchill had been thrown out of every school in, in England both preparatory school and university. And now he's the prime minister. And now he goes back, and this is what I, sorry, I always tell, he goes back to Harrod, where he had been thrown out of also. And he's the commencement speaker. And he gets up and he says, never, 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 never quit. And he sat down. That was the whole speech. And I say, you've got, if an actor, act anywhere. The writers never want to hear this from me. What should we do? Read. Read everything. I, one of my favorite books is McCullough's uh, uh, um, John Adams. The scene of George Washington trembling, can't shaking with the enormity of being the president, can't talk. I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to do a George Washington revolutionary thing. But that emotion is part of me now. You can't, you gotta have more experiences, just your life experiences, if you're gonna broaden your vision. You should write about what you know about. But I say to write is write. Steve Cannell, one of the greatest in our business, he's right up there with, um, what's his name? Dick Wolf and Aaron Spelling. No one's up there with Aaron. <laughs> and he told me when he lectured one of my classes, he said that for five years, he wrote every single day. Five and a half days a week. When he he's drive his father's furniture truck in the morning, he wrote, wrote for five years, and he never sold anything. But he was honing his craft. So I say to writers, write. I say to actors, act any way you can. Performers, perform wherever you can. And learn your craft. And that's the advice. And get, you got to fall in love. And you got to have your heart broken. If you haven't had your heart broken, what kind of shows you're developing? My fifth guest was a unique story, a guy from Canada who specialized in ideas having to do with reality television and a man who wouldn't be denied, came to L.A. with pennies in his pocket, lived in his car, and finally got it done, sold a bunch of shows, and now is president of iWorks Entertainment, one of the largest entertainment reality production companies in the world. This guest was Brant Pinvidic. Like I happened to catch a moment in time and 
certain that something about my blind arrogance worked at that particular moment. And I don't, I don't know that that's something I would say to someone, you should try again. But at the end of the day, what, what comes through in our business and probably most business is passion. And when you really, truly believe in something and understand how to get there and can look at it in some sort of realistic view, even if the idea or what you're pitching doesn't work, like in my case, that passion and stuff is a commodity. And in this country, Americans applaud, believe in, accept, buy, and trade potential. Whatever could happen, there's a there's a there's a dream out there, and Americans love that. And so, people who are passionate about what they do and really, you know, can convey that to other people, end up sort of rising to the top in that sense. I think. My sixth guest was an incredibly inspirational guy who I was dying to have on the show. He is best known for starting on the Cosby Show, creating a different world, then Roseanne, then Home Improvement. As one of my listeners to the podcast once told me via email, listening to this episode was like a master class in writing. I think you'll enjoy what this guy has to say. Matt Williams. Define your worldview. Ask yourself on a daily basis, why am I telling stories? What is my intent? What, what do I want to do as a storyteller? Because if not, you're just going to be a leaf in the wind. Oh, they want me to write uh, penguins tap dancing. I can write that. Oh, they want clowns on a roof. I can do that. No. Who are you? What is your inherent soul value? Who? What do you value in life? What's important to you? How do you view the world? How do you see the world? What do you believe in? And infuse everything you do with that very personal, deep, specific worldview and then you find your own voice as opposed to I can oh I can be this I can be that and I watch people and they go oh yeah we've got a great idea for a show it's in an office and they all crack jokes no I have a friend who's a novelist who always asks when I'm working on something he never asks what is this about he goes what do you want your story to do home improvement David and Carmen and I wrote it out we said we want to celebrate an American family and specifically an American marriage. That's what we want to do. We want to celebrate that. And so with, and, and with buddies, we thought we were going to be exposing racism and all that, but our premise was wrong. So anyway, back to your question. Honestly, ask yourself, what do I believe in? What's my worldview? Uh, why am I telling this story? What's, what is the intent behind my storytelling? And whether it's a one act play or a half hour sitcom or a two hour movie or a three hour Broadway musical, why are we telling this story? What do we want this story to do? That to me, if you can define that for yourself as a writer, as a show creator, as a storyteller, then, then that'll drive you as it has for me 30 plus years. My seventh guest was my first woman on industry standard and she made quite an impact. One of the greatest casting directors working today. She's worked on everything from hybrid television like Reno 911 to sketch television like Mad TV to kids television, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody to sketch shows like Mad TV and Blue Collar and even done half-hour scripted series to Broke Girls and movies like The Internship. 
She started her career working with Spielberg, and I think you'll like what she has to say. Julie Ashton. I think for the actors, you have to, and really this goes with, for, the, for everybody, you have to remember it's a business, and you have to go about it in a business, show business. So I think people come out here and they think they're going to wait tables and get discovered by Julie Ashton who's eating dinner there that night. That's not the way it's going to happen. You need to do the work. You need to study. You need to take classes. You need to learn how to audition because that's a whole other thing. People don't even know what a slate is. You know, you can't go in in front of a casting director and have them say slate and not know what you're doing. You also have to take cold reading classes because you have to be able to change on a dime. If you come in and audition for me for the role of Olivia, and I think you're much better for the role of Mary, and I say, can I give you sides for a different role and see if it feels more right? You have to be able to do that to audition quickly and make choices, even if they're the wrong choices. You have to make some kind of a choice so I can see if I feel like you're right. If I feel like there's potential, I'll bring you back at a later time to give you a little bit more time. But you have to be smart in the way you go about it. You have to study. You have to network with other actors. You have to try to do some kind of a showcase where casting directors can come and see your work. Um, you have to be relentless. You have to bang down doors. We've had many actors come to our office with their headshots to drop off before. And my associate will say to them, hey, you know, we have a lot of volume. We're doing a lot of episodic stuff. So we need a lot of actors on a weekly basis. My assistant will say, hey, uh, what are you doing tomorrow afternoon at four? You look like you might be right for this. And they've ended up booking the roles, even if they don't have an agent. So you have to go door to door. You have to try to beat down doors and beat the bushes as much as you possibly can. And I think the, the same goes for, for casting associates. I think you have to be willing to start off being a reader and interning and not being paid any money at a casting office to get your foot in the door and work your way on up. You have to, you have to not put money as the most important thing. I mean, we all have to survive obviously, but if you have to work three other jobs in order to learn from a casting office, and to get your foot in the door and get a credit on your resume so somebody might hire you for an assistant and then an associate and then someday opening. I mean, you literally have to start from the ground up and work your way on up. And you have to most importantly believe in yourself because if you don't, there's no reason why you should even be in this town. It's a tough town. And if you're not your own best friend and if you don't support yourself 1000% and really believe that miracles literally happen every day in this town because they do, then you shouldn't be here. My eighth guest was a guy who was the president of Columbia TriStar Television and a man who gave me my first start as an executive producer on a show called Action in 2000, which starred Jay Moore, Buddy Hackett, Ileana Douglas, and um, I owe a lot to this guy. Um, he presently is the executive producer of the probably one of the longest-running television shows in history. Two and a half men. Listen up to Eric Tannenbaum. You got to start somewhere. You got to you got to get in somewhere. You got to find find a person or people who will let you be part of an experience. And once you, get, I always say the hardest, the two hardest jobs are getting the first one and then sort of make that first job. And and whatever whatever it is that you decide that you want to be at or you can get in, absorb everything. And really, you know, I, I always found for me. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I started listing things that I didn't want to do. I knew I didn't want to be an agent. I knew I didn't want to be, you know, on a set and be a director. And, and so I started to find the path that I liked, which was working on ideas and developing material. And, you know, the, the, the exciting part about today is there are so many different ways. I met with these 
two kids this morning. This happened to two young guys. They're internet sensations. And they said to me, look, we, we're too scared to go through traditional process. We thought, wait a minute, we can go take a camera and go shoot them stuff and, you know, shoot some stuff and put some stuff out there. And they have the number five most viewed internet guys and they've got, you know, show. And it's like anybody can do that. And if you have a, a dream or a vision or a passion, but I always say to, to writers, we would like, if you're right, go write, write people, write material and get it to people. It'll get read, get it to the people, but don't sit there and feel precious about it. Like if you're right, if you're an actor, do scenes and do workshops and go do plays and, and, and work on your craft. You, we start talking about the standups. It's, you know, the guys that, you know, did one set of the improv and got a Velma deal and not the guys that made it. It's the guys that night after night after night did the cities and the tours and things and perfected that voice and that craft. I, I don't think it's any different. If you want to be a director, you can take, you know, your cell phone and go shoot a movie these days and cut it on your home computer. You can, you can, you can write something and shoot it. Or if your friend's an actor, I mean, there's just, there's many more opportunities available now than there, than there was. The traditional corporate path of, hey, I want to go run a network or a studio, not necessarily that easy to do, and there's no exact science to it. Um, but whatever it is that interests you, you have to commit yourself to doing that. And it's, you know, it's hard. I would be scared as a young person starting out today, but yet I look at it from my agent point of view and say the opportunities to get noticed and the potential to put your stuff out there. There was no, there was no American Idol or those shows, and that's where the music business now. You can get discovered in those ways. So I just, I feel like the opportunity now is kind of unlimited. But it is, is important, whatever it is, that thing that interests you, to go full steam ahead and pursue that. You know, and most of our things about writers, I always tell people, go write, put it down, and it will evolve. It will get better. Get it to people who can give you help and thought and guidance. But you got to start somewhere. My ninth uh, guest is the first director that I had on Industry Standard, and. He didn't actually start as a director. He started as an editor where he won an Emmy Award at 24 years old. And like most people who master their craft and win an Emmy Award, he said, you know what? This editing isn't for me. Why don't I go into something that I don't know anything about? Directing. <laughs> and sure enough, he won more Emmys and Directors Guild Awards. <laughs> and became one of the most prolific half-hour directors of our generation, working on such shows as Cheers, Everybody Loves Raymond, Seinfeld, Ellen. It's just an incredible guy, Andy Ackerman. Well, I'd say you, you, you really need to believe in yourself right from the get-go. you got to believe um, in what you want to do. Um, you have to care um you have to be persistent um but i think you really have to believe that you are going to be okay and um so anything's worth a try as long as you got that going as long as you know that you're going to be okay why not try this why not try that and that comes from um just a core belief in yourself. Um, so I would encourage that. Um, and I would also encourage you, um, to create opportunities for yourself. Um, if you don't see an opportunity, try to create one, try to find ways of creating opportunities for yourself because they're not going to come knocking. Um, you got to go out searching. Um, and, it's really important, at least it was for me, to try to surround yourself or hang out with the best of the best. Um, I 
been I have been very fortunate in that I've 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 been working um, all these years with tremendously talented people, and I found you know the better you know it's just like in um, in sports and athletics I suppose you, you know the the better the person you're playing with the better they'll make you the better you'll be. Um, so I've always wanted to to be amongst the best I could possibly be with. And um, I think it's uh, important to wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> uh, happy feet makes for a happy soul. Um, and uh, soul as an S-O-U-L. And um, um, yeah, I think, you know, just um, go for it. I think um, as long as you do it out of respect uh, to yourself and to other people that you're not being a jerk about it. That it's, it comes out of a self belief and, uh, and it's an honest drive that you're making. Um, I think, um, I, I believe good things happen to good people, uh, can happen to good people and, um, and, uh, don't give up. My 10th guest of Industry Standard was a guy who actually started off as a stand-up comedian at my comedy club, the Boston Comedy Club in Greenwich Village. Um, he was running the open mic there, and he went to Montreal, got a television deal, shot a pilot as an actor and a writer. It went really, really well, but he decided after being an actor that he didn't want to be an actor anymore. He wanted to be a writer. And it didn't go so poorly for him. After stints working with Lorne Michaels on Up All Night as an executive producer and Fox's Traffic Light until death, he now created and is going to be running his own show on NBC starring Jenna Elfman this winter called Growing Up Fisher. DJ Nash. This is the global advice. I think this can apply to the accountant. So I, um, I got, I was at a college show and at college show, I used to do like 70 minutes of, I'd do 70 minutes, but around 50 minutes, I'd be like, what else do I joke about? <laughs> and so I would say to the audience, Hey, anyone have any questions? And I'd open up to questions. And for me, it did two things. One, it let me take a second to remember what other jokes I want to do. But also this, after being with them for 50 minutes, it was this amazing opportunity to give them all of the power and then try to take it back as fast as possible. And the questions, some of them were just annoying, like not annoying, but just the same 12 questions. But then every so often you'd get an unusual question. And one night on stage, somebody said to me, um, what is the secret to success? And I said, the secret to success is carefully defining success. Because if I say that, the secret to success, if I'm saying that for me to be successful, I have to be paid a million dollars to do stand-up comedy and be famous, then I didn't do it tonight. But if I got to do my art and got paid to do my art, then I'm successful. And I don't even know about the paid part. Like, you think about why, what's your secret to, what's, what's your goal here? If you can do your art and sustain yourself doing your art, then you were successful. I don't think... um I didn't say to you that the show is gratifying because that person reviewed it or that thing happened. It was gratifying because the people around me who matter saw it and helped me make it. 
My 11th guest is an Emmy Award-winning casting director who's probably one of the greatest casting directors of all time. He started working in the business under Norman Lear with All in the Family, went on to do such shows as Facts of Life, The Jeffersons, 227, The Wonder Years, Larry Sanders, and so many amazing shows, including probably one of the greatest shows of all time, Seinfeld. A really, really incredible guy with great words of wisdom, Mark Hirschfeld. I think you need to learn the talent pool. That's the most important thing. You need to you need to love actors. You need to respect them, and you need to um, take risks and be supportive of them, and and be out there. There are a lot of casting directors that sort of insulate themselves from actors. And I'm, I'm not one of those. I mean, I don't like go out and party and socialize with actors, but I see everything. Or if I don't, I have, you know, people in my office that see everything. There's just so much right now. It's just impossible to see everything. So I rely on a lot of other people to um, say, Hey, I saw so-and-so in this small play, or I saw this person on YouTube, or I saw this, you know, I'm, I'm going to VidCon down at, at Anaheim to see the YouTube stars because a lot of people are you know, a lot of great writers and a lot of great talent are sort of coming out of that world. Um, I think that's sort of the next frontier and it's sort of, that's blown the doors off of, you know, not that we're the gatekeepers, but it's sort of, blo- you know, it, they've done an end run. They're producing their own material. And so, um, they're doing end run around the casting directors and the agents and the managers. They're creating their own material and creating their own opportunities for 50 bucks and uh, aggregating their own audiences, their own fan bases. And so as a casting director, I need to be aware of, you know, the people that are coming out of that world, continuing to come out of the stand-up comedy world, theater, um, uh, the reality world, sports bloggers it's all you know it's a whole new frontier um and i would say you just have to be you know as an actor you have to be passionate about your work and you have to go in the room convinced that you you know we have a problem casting directors um every actor that comes to the room we want to solve the problem that we have. And that is we don't have the, we don't have the right actor for the role. So every time, you know, I don't care if there are 50 actors sitting out in the waiting room with you. Um, you know, actors can sit out and go, all right, number 25 coming in. You know, the, the, the casting director and the producer is not sitting there, you know, hunched over going, all right, what do you got for me next? You know, let's get through this. There's a lot of ex- positive expectations as that door opens. And that actor walks in the room. We want you to be the solution to our problem. And you will either step up and fulfill that or not very, very quickly. You know, in the first page, we'll know pretty much if you're close to hitting the target. But we're, you know, even if you're not, that next actor comes in, we, you know, we're all anxiously want you to be the solution. Because casting is a very long, arduous process and no one wants to do it. So you do have that leg up as an actor when you walked into that audition room. 
a guy I've known my whole career who started as a stand-up comedian with his partner in crime, who we later created comic relief with, um, Bob Zamuda. They had a comedy team that involved a jar of Vaseline and a banana, and they would go on at the original improvisation with such acts as uh, Richard Lewis and Andy Kaufman and Robert Klein. But it didn't take him long to figure out that uh, that wasn't his path. And he went on to be a partner in the improvisation, later an executive at HBO, where he then became the CEO and president of that network and has been responsible for such shows as Sex and the City, The Wire, Sopranos, you name it. And then now he's the CEO and president of Stars, Chris Albrecht. So advice for an executive, I would say, you know, certainly training. Being an agent, I think, being a manager is the best training. You learn how the business works. You understand how to work with talent. You understand how to work with executives. You understand how you have to go to work every day and make something happen or you've had a bad day. Uh, and I think that that being ingrained in you is, is good. Also, never take chances. You know, the hardest climb on a ladder is straight up. That's why they built stairways at angles. So I think, you know, always be willing to, to go laterally if, if, it, if it's going to give you a different experience. Don't always think that, you know, you've got to be the boss at the place where you work because those idiots don't know what they're doing. Um, and I would say with comedians, you know, f at least for my money, it was always, I want to hear somebody talk about themselves. First person comedy is the toughest, but it's, 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 it's to me the purest form of the art. And uh, also, if, if, if you're looking to establish yourself as a real performer and, and be able to do other things, I think that first person comedy where you're creating a persona, even if it's just a variation of yourself. You know, Jerry Seinfeld's a variation of Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld, you know, but there, there's, there's, that, there's that point of view about yourself and in relationship to life that I think is invaluable for other people coming and going, you don't want to be in business with this guy because he's amazing. So instead of being, you know, the fifth lead on some show that you didn't have anything to do with, people are coming out and wanting to write stuff around you and your point of view. You know, Martin, Everybody Loves Raymond, you know, all these, all these shows where comics are at the center started because guys had a point of view in their acts. My 13th show featured a good friend of mine who I like to call Morty, and so does everybody else. Uh, he's the kind of guy who just transcends the business and is one of the most loved people in it. He's best known for spending 15 years side-by-side side with one of the greatest legends of late-night television, David Letterman, where he was the executive producer. I think you'll like what he has to say. Robert Morton. On the executive level, I think you, if you're not the actual talent, don't think of yourself as the talent and, and have a respect for talent. And I think, obviously, the... Who am I to judge the problems of, of networks and, and, and cable operations? But I think the biggest problem is that executives don't let writers and creators and directors do what they do best. They know. You know Vince Gilligan knows what that show is going to be. And I think AMC probably had the good sense to let him do what he does as I know HBO does with, with its people and I know that FX is, is famous for it. Louis C.K. has a vision. 
FX is smart enough to, to let Louie do what he does. And I think once an executive considers themselves creative, it's, it's, it's gone. You're, you're a buyer. Once again, going back to the retail business, you know, the, the, the buyer at Bloomingdale's doesn't tell Ralph Lauren, we don't like the buttons you have on the new jackets. Change the buttons. Use, use brass buttons instead of, of, Ralph doesn't take notes like that. He's a creator. He's a designer. And I think it's the same thing in, in this business. So I think executives have to know their place. They're the buyers. Now, I never have a qualm with, with an executive saying, I don't think this is going to work for our audience. I don't think this is going to work for our advertisers. It is a commercial medium. Uh, but once they say this doesn't work creatively, all bets are off. And I think as far as, as, as if you are the artist and you are the creator, you just have to do it. If you're a writer, you have to always write. If you're a comedian, you always have to tell jokes. Wherever it is, you have to have that opportunity to always tell jokes. And it was one of the things I learned from Letterman. You never miss that opportunity. Don't be preachy. Don't take yourself too seriously. You know, if you're doing a talk show, if you're doing a performance on, on a program, you better have the goods. And that comes from, from writing and performing and doing what you say you are. If you're an actor, you have to act wherever you can. My 14th show featured a man who is the president of Turner Entertainment Networks, who oversees the programming, marketing, and scheduling and strategy of four of the most powerful networks in cable television. TNT, TBS, True TV, and Turner Classic Movies. He has a really, really unique way about him, and I think you're really going to like him. Steve Coonan. I spend a lot of time with young people. I have a 26-year-old son and a 23-year-old daughter. And what I notice about these folks, about the younger generation, is they're, so much, they're in such a hurry to get to the destination. And it is truly a journey. And the only way to build the journey, and I've told a very long story today, but there were there were stops and junctions along the way that I built skills or I used skills. And to me, if you're wanting to be successful, it's not about being a fan. It's about building the skills to succeed. I am one of the few people who've come into television from a directly other industry at a pretty senior level and been successful because the skills that I brought of leadership and of strategic planning and of vision are universal. So you can build those at a Home Depot or a Coca-Cola or anywhere. Then you can go apply them to a passion. And I'm a huge fan of television, but I'm a bigger fan of strategy and leadership. And the way to get noticed, if you're a young artist that really wants to get recognized, is to think through how to get somebody's attention. And that doesn't mean fly a airplane or somebody used to send me, named Will used to send me his last will in the mail every week. <laughs> you know, I still remember his name. I don't remember his last name. I never hired the guy, but it, <laughs> but it was catchy. But the point is, you got to take the risk. You got to sacrifice. There's a lot of kids in Atlanta who want to be in entertainment. You're not going to be there from here. You have to be in LA. You have to be in New York. You have to wait tables. You have to do. This is an apprentice industry. This is an industry that you have to learn and build skills and knowledge. And you're, you can't look at the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. 
You can't look at the exceptions. You have to look at the rules. And a guy like Jim Parsons, who wins his third Emmy, you know, he knocked around for a long time, but he kept working in his craft and working in his craft and working in his craft. And he's at his top of his game, but it didn't happen overnight. And he's not someone that you would walk down the street and say movie star or TV star. But he is so skillful and so brilliant at what he does. He's one of the best there has been because he went from Houston, Texas to Los Angeles by taking the risks. My 15th guest was a guy who's an incredible film producer who's responsible for producing over 170 movies in his time. 170. Including Black Hawk Down, Daddy Daycare, Hellboy, Con Air, Zookeeper, and Night and Day with Tom Cruise, as well as Anger Management with Sandler and Jack Nicholson. An incredible guy, Todd Garner. Well, first of all, for both sides, you can't care about money. You have to just love it, and you have to be willing to earn it. And it's hard, and it's it's getting harder in terms of the process of getting the job and working way up work your way up the ladder is harder. On the flip side, what's great is access is so much better. You don't need to go to film school anymore, really. I mean, you can learn everything on the internet. You can do shorts for Funny or Die. You can listen to filmmakers speak on any number of topics you can take courses online you can go to ucla extension you can do all this stuff you can have and you have such access now if you're a young comedian you you can get discovered i mean you look at justin bieber in the music business or martin garrix who is this 16 year old dj who scooter braun also found like you can get discovered off of internet uh piece now and you can get followers and you can you can build your your base if you're a young comedian and you can you can kind of hone your craft and learn as you go. And and if you're talented, somebody will find you. That's I mean, that's the key. I mean, the, the fear and, and the anxiety of someone coming up is, I think I'm great, but no one's noticing me. And the fact of the matter is, is if you're talented and if you if you are ready, somebody will find you. It's just it, it, it's just the way it is. And in terms of uh, young young people coming up through the ranks and wanting to be uh, an executive, um, you just got to follow the path that I followed. You need to find somebody who's willing to take a shot on you as an assistant. You need to either get a job at, in a production company or um, uh, in an agency or at a studio as an assistant and really work hard. And because, like I said, once you get on a lot, you kind of move ahead in the time-space continuum three years because you're not watching movies that are just being released that were thought of and developed and put into production three years ago. You're now reading those scripts. So you're now jumped forward in, in, in the future three years, and you're seeing things that are going to come out two, three years from now. And so that's really important because if you're just watching movies, you're like, why are they making these decisions? This, but you're seeing decisions that were made three, year, three years ago. So sometimes that lag can be very confusing. And once you're in it and you start to see, okay, well, those, oh, you know, that was something that was done two, three years ago, it makes sense. They've, we're now, that company is now moving on from that or they're, they're changing their, their vision or, or not. Or, you know, like in the case of like a Jason Blum who produces all the, the paranoias and the paranormals and, and Insidious and, and um, Purge, that's a new business that he found. It's only really been a few years. So if you're watching that, you're going, well, another one? What? And, but you don't realize that he's way far ahead and doing things that are light years ahead of what's been released, you know, a couple months ago. So, Getting in 
on the ground level and really kind of working hard and not worrying about money, being able to like make decisions based on what you think is the way to get you into the right room so that you can, um, you know, just be creative naturally and, and have the people that are the decision makers appreciate your point of view. My 16th guest is a guy who transcends all kinds of television and sports. He came by way of Australia, and presently he's the number two guy to Rupert Murdoch at 21st Century Fox. He's most well known for coming to this country and taking Fox from a network that had no sports to being the number one sports network 14 consecutive years in a row. I think you'll like what this guy has to say as well. David Hill. If you try and become an executive, I don't think it's ever going to happen because uh, if you're worrying about being being an executive, um, that, that that it gets in the way of what your job is. The, the reason why people get promoted is because that their bosses can see what they're doing is really, really good. And and if someone does something really well, the, the underlying promise is they can do a whole bunch of other things really well. And so it's that, that as you get through life, it's if you if you want to want to become a boss, uh, I, I think that that you're inevitably bound to fail. That you should be more worried about being the best that you can be in your cho- if if you're a copywriter or if you're a, uh, if if you're making coffee, you know it doesn't matter. You just be the best that you can be. I think I think the thing that gets in the way is people take themselves too seriously, and I think that that's a huge problem because if you take yourself too seriously, that that Every slight cuts even deeper, and and every that 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 what is is meant totally innocently can be seen as a put down, and you start becoming infuriated and 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 feeling the world's against you, and so that changes your whole mood. And when you're in front of camera, be conversational. Um, what I say to my guys, well, they're not my guys anymore because I've now moved out of the sports division. But when I talk to They'll my always be your guys. Oh, thank you. What? what I'll I, always be your guys. Oh, well, thank you, Barry. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm starting to well up now. Um, <laughs> it's it, it, it gets back to my experience with Norm Lloyd, the cameraman. And it's if you can't visualize to whom you're broadcasting, that you're not broadcasting properly. And if you're a producer or a director or an announcer, that in, you, you're not just shooting signals out as Scott Ackerson likes to say to Pluto, they're going to someone. So so I say to the announcers, you're not just talking into a microphone, you're talking to someone. So visualize that person. Is it your mom? Is it your dad? Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Is it your kids? Is it your next door neighbor? Visualize where they are. They're sitting down comfortably in a sofa. They've, they've, they've got an adult beverage or they've got a coffee and they're watching. So talk to them. And if you're doing the show... You've got to be aware of who you're doing that to, who you're producing that show for. And so be aware of how they're going to watch and, and, and what they need to enjoy the show. So the, the, it's the art of visualization in, in broadcasting, I believe, is totally important. So that when you're starting off being working on camera, it's not you're not looking at a piece of glass. You're visualizing your mom or your dad or your best friend or whatever standing by, and you're having a conversation with them because the essence of television is a human being speaking, talking to another human being. It's that simple. And, and if you can't master that, you should go into something like quantity surveying. 
My 17th guest is a guy who was the president of Big Ticket Television, but most well-known and responsible for creating a type of courtroom television that still to this day is one of the most powerful and highly rated types of television in the history of the medium. He was the guy responsible for creating Judge Judy and bringing that to television. His name, Larry Little. There's an amazing opportunity now that people in the generations that you cited prior didn't have, and that's the Internet. You know, um, the, the problem with the Internet is that is getting attention for what you're doing. But you've got an opportunity to present your wares in a way that none of those people you mentioned had. The, in, in those days, you would either, if you couldn't meet a producer and manager, a casting director, or a studio executive, you were sort of screwed over. Uh, today, if you really believe in yourself, you have an opportunity to put yourself up and at least demonstrate some of your wares. But that's not efficient because how do, you, how do people find you? So it's very difficult. Um, if you want to be in the television business, the first thing you got to do is come to Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. You got to come here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got to know your medium. And if you, if you're, whether you're an actor, performer, or, or, or a writer, or even a would-be executive, you've got to know the business. And today, there are opportunities to learn the business that weren't available to you and me. There's so many uh, online opportunities, whether it's Deadline Hollywood, it's Variety Online. You can really learn about the business and the people who are the power brokers in the business by studying the business through the Internet. You really can. You can know what's going on. Uh, in, in our day, you know, you knew what was going on by reading two papers, The Daily Variety and The Hollywood Reporter. Well, they've been eclipsed now, manyfold. And you can really understand, you know, how the business works. You can study the business. And, and if you really want to be in the TV business, you should watch TV. I often find people who want to be in the television business and you say, well, what are your favorite shows? Well, I like Breaking Bad. You know, and then, you know, they don't really watch it. They've seen an episode, you know, my 17 year old son, uh, who is not a huge TV fan, although he says the greatest show in the history of television is Breaking Bad, you know, and how he watches TV. He watches TV on his laptop. You know, it's amazing. So I, I think there are uh, to answer your question, because there's a very broad question and there are no right answers. If there were, everybody wouldn't find the answer and do it. But if you want to succeed in, in a world that is difficult to get into, learn about the world, study it. And there are many opportunities by which you can study it today that weren't available to you and me 30 years ago when we were kids starting out. So that would be it. And then, you know, when you move out to L.A., you start going to the very, if you're a comedian, go to the clubs. You know, try to meet the Barry Katzes of this world because these are people that can open doors for you. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to find people without, you know, to, to, to find smart people to represent you without credits. But if you've got a game, people will find you. I, I really believe that. My 18th guest was a guy who's claimed the fame probably is that he's the executive producer of one of the hottest shows on television today, Duck Dynasty. But he's also the guy who is responsible for working and the driving force between a lot of shows that you know today, where he was the executive producer of Auction Hunters, American Digger, Monster Man, Hollywood Treasure. And presently, he's the Senior Director of Development at Discovery Channel. I know you're going to like this guy, Joe Weinstock. I think, you know, if you have, you think you have uh, the next greatest sliced cheese, 
uh, um, or cheese sandwich or bread, which all sounds good. I had some of that this weekend, um, is to attack, you know, to hustle. And this goes into the second part of, you know, the second uh, response to your first question is to, you know, uh, research production companies on TV shows that you love, that you feel like might have some type of the inherent similarities or appeal or how you believe in the particular show. Like, look who look who uh, oversees uh, or who gets executive producer or production credit and cold call those individuals or find a way to, to communicate them. You know, what's funny about this and why I know this works is because um, with Porter Ridge, for example, Bear Man, you know, the guy that owns eight domesticated bears, you know, he he's like, uh, he, he, he loved Duck Dynasty, and he's like, oh, Scott Gurney produces Duck Dynasty. Cold email Scott, and Scott gets hundreds of emails. Literally, Scott's like, okay, what is this? Responds to his email, looks at it, and it's a show about this guy, Dirty Andy, who's in the show. But it's like, can't do a show about Dirty Andy, but I like him. What else you got? Well, and they start talking, you know. Two weeks later, Scott sends out a film or a crew out there, uh, shoots a, you know, a concept tape. We get eyes on it, and you know, the rest is history. So it's about hustling and believing in what you have and making sure people have the opportunity to see it. Now, if you are Joe Schmo out in Oklahoma City and you're wanting to make it big or you're Joe Schmo out in L.A. and you've moved out here, again, it's, it's, it's networking. I think networking is so important is, is finding – opportunities to meet individuals uh starting on a desk like like take get just get rid of fucking pride and say if you got to do it you got to do it i did it and i was like you know what if this is how i got to get in a business i'll fucking suck it up and i'll be someone's assistant because i'm gonna have other opportunities because i'm gonna work harder than everybody else and that's the thing like uh you have to be able to um you know grind um keep a positive attitude i think positivity is so important in any equation um you know life's too short and uh, if you hustle, if you work hard, if you open doors, don't wait on the doors to open for you, um, things will happen. My 19th guest was the founder of the Improvisation 50 years ago in New York City. And it's become a franchise that has dozens of comedy clubs all over the country. He's a guy who managed Jay Leno and Bette Midler. And his show business stories were incredible. A lot of wisdom here. Bud Friedman. Uh, for an entrepreneur, don't come in the comedy club business. We have enough comedy <laughs> clubs. But if you can find something that makes you as happy as the comedy club business has made me uh, and successful, then, boy, you are lucky. Uh, but it's not easy. Uh, I look at a lot of friends and I wonder, you know, how they survived all these years doing what they're doing. Uh, and as, as far as the comedians are concerned, um, practice, 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 and stay in your small town as long as you can because you're not going to get on here uh, not too often. Certainly not the improv until you've got something to show us. It's worthwhile. And... Uh, Speak in your own voice. Don't do Bob Newhart. <laughs> or better yet, don't do Barry Katz doing Bob Newhart. My 20th guest is a guy who started uh, his career at ABC with a woman named Marcy Carsey, who he later partnered with to help create such shows as Cosby, A Different World, Roseanne, Grace Under Fire, that 70s show, Sybil, you name it. Uh, he's also a guy who's entwined in the sports world and is one of the principal owners of the Boston Red Sox. 
He's always been successful. Before he came to the Red Sox, they hadn't won a championship in 86 years. Since he took over, three championships in 10. I really, really respect and love what this guy has to say. Tom Werner. We're in a great time. So if people just look at the number of, of channels compared to three, now there's you know, 300 channels and YouTube and uh, all sorts of uh, opportunities. Netflix now is a producer and, and Amazon. And that you, if, if you've got something to say, Barry, and, and it's really authentic and good, you, it, will, it will find uh, an audience. And it has to be good. But, um, you know, don't – I guess it's a – here's here's what you don't do. You don't say, hey, uh, there's a hit show on the air, and if I can just sort of tweak it, maybe I can do a second version. Try to come up with something that has a a reason to be. And then, you know, there's so many inspirational stories. You've got uh, Danny Boyle, and I I don't even know the the history of Slumdog Millionaire, but the extraordinary thing about that was that he convinced uh, Warner Brothers to make that movie, and they shot that movie, and they screened that movie at a Warner Brothers executive screening room, and the executives there said, this movie is not even good enough to be released. <laughs> now, now you had Danny Boyle, and you had the footage. This isn't even a script that you, you don't uh, order. They ordered the script, they shot the movie, and then they didn't have uh, the vision to release it. And on his own, I, and I think this story is true, I hope it's true, Danny went to Fox, and Fox looked at it and believed in it. And uh, it was a movie that I thought was not just the greatest movie of that year, but it really, again, moved the needle and told a story about you know a, a very uh, interesting character in a, in a slum in India. And so... You know, and Danny Boyle wasn't just a kid, right? He was an enormously talented filmmaker. So, you know, I guess that story should say that if you have a vision and you really uh, are clear about something, then my guess is that if it's good, it will find an audience and one shouldn't be uh, put off by any kind of impediments along the way. My 21st guest is a guy who's the CEO of Funny or Die, but also a guy who's been a top-level executive at NASCAR and the WWE. He has a really, really great way about him and a really interesting insight into the business. I know you're going to like Dick Glover. You have to be passionate about what you do. Um, As far as the talent, the, the one characteristic, you use the word that they all have, they're fearless. Um, that at many, many points in their career, they did things where they could not be afraid to fail. If they had been, they would not have succeeded. And, and all of them had those moments where, where uh, there was no surety they were going to succeed at all. Um, and, and that for young people not trying to follow a creative path, which is, by the way, I think much, much harder that... that um, the the difference between 
you know, I, I have a cousin who's had a modest career as an actor, you know, and managed to eke out a living, literally, barely. And the difference between him and Brad Pitt is, is tiny, tiny. But whether it's the drive, the passion, the skill, a combination of all of them, you have to have them all to, to make it work. And somehow it seems in, in the business side of it, as opposed to the creative side of it, that you can, if you just really work hard and really care about what you're doing, and, you know, um, if you treat people appropriately, you'll do fine. And I keep saying, because we have a lot of young people who obviously work in the company, and, and I say the same thing to all of them. I say, boy, right now at your age, the last thing in the world you should be thinking about is your paycheck. I mean, it just, the, the, it doesn't matter. If somebody comes into me and, oh, gosh, I sure could use a raise. Yeah, we all could. And I'm not saying you don't deserve one. But I'm just saying, but, but the thing right now, you just want to focus on doing the best at what you're doing. And, and whether that's producing videos, whether that's acting, or whether that's business affairs and accounting, if you focus on it, and if you're doing something you love, then everything will take care of itself over time. It just will. And, and trust the process, um, which is an expression you, the aforementioned Mike Ferrer uses <laughs> all the time, trust the process. But it's true. Um, and, and certainly I've, I've been very, very lucky. And, and I keep saying, you know, I say to my wife all the time, God, I just hope the luck doesn't run out. We don't need too many more years just for the luck to not run out. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it will. If you're passionate and you work hard, it'll be fine. My 22nd guest is a guy who was really different from anybody else I ever interviewed because he started as like a sort of like a low-budget movie star in, the, in a movie uh, that he's best known for. It was a movie called Terra Firmer. But he went on to go to Bollywood and become a huge star there directing and starring in movies. And then he went into the digital space where he helped make the multi-channel portal maker studios into one of the behemoths in the business in that area. And presently, he's the president of Endemol Beyond USA. I know you're going to like this guy, Will Keenan. Okay. Firstly, I would say um, <clears throat> decide on your goals and start as, as, as early as you can. If you have... If you have, you know, if you're eight or you're 18 and you're like, yeah, I'd really, you know, I, I think I, think I want to do this and it happens to be in the entertainment industry, start as soon as possible. The tools are there, right? Uh, but you have to believe in yourself. And that, I think, is, is probably the, the greatest one. I, I, anyone who's ever made it to A-list level, I don't care if they say in an interview, no, I never really thought I was going to get here. Bull effing shit. Morning, noon, and night, they were thinking about it. They were envisioning it. And when they saw, that, they saw themselves succeeding, you heard about Jim Carrey, right? He used to go up to the top of Nichols Canyon. He would just sit there with his arms open for an hour or two and just imagine it all coming to him. Now, this is where you think I'm fruity and metaphysical, but it's like magic, and it's a universal law. So you have to believe in yourself. It's more more important than anything else. I would read lots of biographies of people, uh, the careers of people you want to emulate because then you know, you know, exactly, you know, how it can go. Um, and I would also, if, if you're a performer, 
you know, uh, start online. I tell people, you know, definitely start online because, or a musician, you know. I think, I think never again will any band or, or singer-songwriter, solo artist, or, or rap group ever get a real worldwide or North American tour who isn't first big online. Gone is, uh, is up and down, you know, the Eastern Seaboard working the clubs, and probably the same thing with comedy. You yep. know what I mean? Same thing with comedy. It's like if you start to get big online, you can fill up those, fill up those clubs, right? So, um, Angela Johnson is an example. She had a five-minute YouTube video on a nail salon bit that she had, and she was selling yeah. out comedy clubs immediately. Totally, totally. So I think that's that's really important. So if you want to be an actor. Uh, you're not just an actor. You are your own manager, your own agent. Learn how to shoot and edit, how to do your own music. Learn how to, you know, not only act but perform, sing, and dance because this, this is that era. I mean, it's like it's the era of the creative generalist, generalist to be able to do specific things well, right? An expert generalist because no one else is going to do it for you now. And no, I promise you, from this point on, no actor is going to become a huge actor. No uh, musician is going to become a huge musician uh, that wasn't doing everything themselves first. And that's what we did at Maker. It's what I'm doing now. It's like these, these incredible talent. They get big online, and they've been doing everything them, you know, themselves, himself or herself. And then you know, they've built up an audience, and now they're being discovered, and a company like ours or Maker, whoever, can say, here, here's a production deal for you. you. We give you a director. We give you a producer. We give you a team. You can just be, you know, just do what you want to now. Be the creative. And that's an exciting time. You know, there's no reason to not start now. My 23rd guest is a guy who is probably the greatest acting coach and guru of my generation. Uh... He's a guy who works with such established Academy Award-winning actors and actresses as Helen Hunt, Hilary Swank, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Everything this guy says is poetic, moving, truthful, and inspirational. Larry Moss. Study the great films, if you're actors, or directors, or writers, study the great films and read the great plays. We're living in a time where people aren't reading too much. And for the young people and the middle-aged people, uh, get it, turn the goddamn television off and read. And you won't like it. You'll get bored, you'll get scared, you'll get anxiety-ridden because you'll go, I, I gotta have the tube, which is a drug. You gotta get away from technology and open a book. Read the great writers, get out and go to concerts, get out and go to plays, go to New York, as I said, see Mark Rylance and Richard III and, and Twelfth Night, and uh, I said, Waiting for Gatto and No Man's Land in New York, uh, Cherry Jones in The Glass Menagerie with Zachary Quinto, gorgeous production by John Tiffany, the director. Um, go and see things, read things. Find an artist you like, whether you're a musician or an actor or a director, find an artist that's doing what you want to do, that you like, and analyze why you like them. Why do I like Marty Scorsese's movies? What is it about the way he shoots or the way he uh, moves the camera or the stories or Kazan, you know, um, uh, or you take a, 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 a look at uh, any, uh, any director that's, that, that's now, uh, Quentin Tarantino, um, uh, why do you like the, so them? Um, uh, the, um, 
the great uh, comedy director James Brooks, you, you see as good as it gets, or um, uh, his uh, uh, brilliant uh, broadcast news uh, or terms of endearment. Um, I know him a bit, and he's a wonderful man and a great director. Uh, there's never been a funnier moment in a movie uh, than Jack Nicholson and Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment. Their relationship is classic clown comedy with truth. Um, find out what you like and then look at the best of that and study it. And then get out and direct and have experience. Get scared and do it anyway. What is the meaning of courage? Doing it when you're scared and doing it anyway. Don't be lazy. Do it when you don't want to do it. The difference in my life is I did it when I didn't want to do it. I did it anyway. And I remember I had an, a teacher when I was a young teenager, and I was fucked up, and he said, Larry, work very hard. And he gave me the greatest advice. He told me, don't be lazy. And that made all the difference. My final guest in 24th of 2013 was a woman who really, really blew me away. Talk about somebody who created a holy shit moment. This woman started off going from town to town, traveling all over, because she had no choice, because that's where her family took her. And um, she was actually a girlfriend to a comedian for 10 years, Brian Callen, and really was trying to find her direction in any space. When she started writing and resourcing and putting together some perspective on a serial killer who she found out was murdering people in Florida around the time that her family was traveling through Florida. So she wrote the screenplay and through a series of incredible coincidences, fate, hard work, and persistence, she got this movie made and directed it as well as wrote it. And the culmination came at the Academy Awards where she watched her lead actress, Charlize Theron, win an Academy Award for her performance in that film, Monster. Listen to Patty Jenkins. I think that my only advice, and I wish we could all follow it every day, but of course we can't, is forget talent and forget all that kind of talk, you know? It doesn't matter. It's not the most talented people I saw that made it. And it's not even the most talented people I saw that became great, ultimately. I think it's about dogged tenacity and smart tenacity. So don't do stupid things like, you know, if you're an actor, don't go stapling your headshot all up exhaustively all over town because that's wasteful energy, you know? Try to be smart about what you do, but don't stop all the time and think about deserve. There's no deserve. Just dogged tenacity is, is like that's who I see succeeding. Well, that's going to wrap up this special edition of the final episode of Industry Standard in 2013. I hope you enjoyed it today. I just want to share with all of you that I am incredibly grateful for all of your support and for just the letters and the emails and the calls. I am just truly humbled by this whole experience. I, I'm so grateful that you guys are enjoying it 
and that you feel that it's something worthy of subscribing to and listening to and, and passing on to the people in your lives that you feel will benefit from it. I can't even tell you what that means to me. And so I just want to wish you all the best that life has to offer. I hope you had a great holiday, and I hope you have an amazing new year. And we'll see you soon in 2014. And as always, if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. They say it's the glory I'll scream your name Put you on shoulders Walk you to fame You'll get all the money Drive that fancy car All the people love you Cause you're going far Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain it's never quite over So it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley A fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes, which will be available for download every Monday, or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.